This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. This is Ezra Bek, the weekly shiur every Wednesday in Agadot Avraham. Before we begin the shiur, I want to again remind you, this is the KMTT Appreciation Drive Week. Once a year, we turn to the listeners, to the students, to the community, to the KMTT community. For the material support that the program needs to, to keep going. Um, it's a chance for you to show your appreciation materially, in other words, financially. There is no other support. KMTT is a 100% listener-supported program. There is no other source of support for KMTT. And therefore, the responsibility falls on your shoulders. A uh, phone number in New York. It's actually in New Jersey. It's a New York number. phone number in New York for... Uh, for contributions or for information how to make the contribution it's 212-732-4874 on the web you can go directly to the page donation page of KMTT which is www.kimitzion.org it's k-i-m-i-t-z-i-o-n dot o-r-g and there's a little button on the right hand side of the page that says donate and then you can get also the information as well as the possibility of doing an online online donation. Again, we're waiting to hear from you. This is our once a year opportunity, once a year drive, once a year uh, appeal. And with uh, what's collected in this week, we will be living, we'll be running this program for the next year. So please donate uh, generously according to the way how much you appreciate the program, those of you who can afford it, to make it as well as a philanthropic donation. And we are waiting to hear now to this year. Last week, we began the Pasha of Stone. We're coming close to the end of the series, at least for this, uh, for now. And I want to get to the Akeda next week. So this week, we're going to look at the way Abraham actually acted. What was Abraham doing when he prayed, argued, spoke to God concerning what is going to take place in stone. It's a very important Pasha because it, it just in terms of Pshat, it shows us something very, very important about Abraham's character. And for those of you who remember the very beginning of the series many, many weeks ago, I quoted the Midrash in the beginning of Lech Lecha, which specifically pointed to Abraham Avinu's behavior in attempting to save stone <coughs> as the reason why he was chosen by God, in truth, many years earlier. But nonetheless, nonetheless, the character trait that came to the fore in the story that we are going to read today was why God chose him from the very, very beginning. Ahafta, Tzedek, Tzaneit, Resha, Hakein, Meshachacha, Hashem, Elokecha, Shemen, Sasson, Micha, You were chosen because of your love of Tzedek and your hatred of evil, which is expressed in this Pasha, and we'll see now some of the examples of how that takes place. But this character trait of Amavino was what made Amavino special. So obviously it's a very important passion. Before we actually begin to Amavino's uh, argument with God, or what, the arguments that he, that, he, that he put forward, the Pasuk begins with the words, Vayigash Avraham Vayomer. Vayigash. Vayigash means to approach. I don't have an English translation in front of me, but I'm certain that's what it says. Vayigash Avraham Avraham approached. God. What does it mean to approach? And why is it ever written? 
or pain that's never necessary to ever write it. Surely not when dealing with God, because you don't physically approach Him at all. So the Midrash says, this is Parsha Memtet in Midrash Rabbah, Midrash Chet. Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Nechemiah, Rabbanan. Three different interpretations. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Hagashah Lemilchama. To approach means to war, to engage in battle. Vayigash Avraham Vayomar, and Avraham engaged and said. Tichtiv, Pasuk in Divrei Hayamim, Alif. פרק י"ט, ויגש יואב העם אשר אימו לפני ארם למלחמה. It says that Yoav and the army, the people who were with him, ניגשו, they approached before Aram for war. Describing a battle that takes place in, in, in the land of Ammon, where Aram has come to aid Ammon, and the Jewish army is divided into two, and the part that's under the command of Yoav attacks the mercenary forces of Aram, who had come to aid the forces of Bnei Amon, who uh, were being attacked on the other side of the front. So it says, So Rabbi Yeshua is saying that Vayigash Avraham Vayomer is the same kind of Hagasha. Avraham is going to combat with God. I don't think it describes the means. He's not going to shoot. It describes the nature of the struggle. Abraham is going to wrestle, to contend with God, and so to speak, I think it's impossible not to conclude, to force, Milchama means the use of force, to force God, at least that's the, the mental state that Abraham Avinu is approaching with, He's putting himself into a mental state of contention, of to force God to back down from what God wants to do with uh, stone. Rabbi Nechemia Amar, Hagasha Lepius. To approach means Pius. It means to appease, the fayes, to, to get someone to change his mind by assuaging his anger, his resentment. Adao Dechtiv, he brings an example, Pasukin Yehoshua, Perek Yudalid, Vayikshu Bnei Yehuda El Yehoshua. It's important to take a look in the, in the Perek there, the, the, you can see the, the background. It's Bnei Yehuda, but basically it's going to be Kalev. Kalev asks Yehoshua to give him a special gift, to give him as his portion in Eretz Israel, Chevron. Uh, reminding Yahushua, and I think this is where the Pius comes from, he says to Yahushua in the very beginning, you remember how 40 years ago, God spoke to you and me when we were with the Maragadim, we were with the spies, and the two of us were the ones who didn't follow the advice of the spies and didn't commit the sin. And But then he doesn't mention Yahushua. He says, you know, you were with me then, and I you know, stood up for God, and, and, and I've gone 45 years since then, and you remember how the other spies said that there's a land of giants, the giants were the giants of Hebron, and I wasn't afraid. I said, we can still conquer them, therefore give me the land now, and I will go and I will conquer it. So, I think the pius, the appeasement here, is referring to the fact that he dragged in Yahshua in the beginning. Because he's appealing to this personal memory of how you and I were the only two who stood up against the other ten spies, and frankly against all of Israel. And... 
He's trying to arouse Yahushua's feelings of brotherhood together with him. That's what's called piyusia. So that's the opinion of Rabbi Nechemiah, that, Moshe, that Avraham Avinu as well, Vayigash Avraham Vayomer, Hagashah Lepiyus. He's going to try to get God to be appeased, to have a different feeling about the issue. The issue here is stone. And that's why he will back down. Rabbanan Amri Hagashah Litefila. Vayigash is a word which means davening. So it doesn't mean arousing a, a personal feeling of kinship or like there was between Yahshua and Kalev, these two colleagues throughout all those years. But it means tefillah, it means prayer. Kamel is going to ask for a miracle. He's asking for God to send fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice that's been built, that's been placed on the altar on Har Kamel. And when he gets ready to do that, after spending the day with the Nevi'ah Baal and, they, and their failures, he says, Vayigash Eliyahu Nevi Vayomer. And he, and he prays. Hashem Elokei Avraham Yitzhak Yisrael Hayom Yivada Kiyata Elokim Yisrael. He asks God to, to help him. So, it's clearly, it's, it's a prayer there. He doesn't, there's no argument of, of pius and there's surely no uh, force or contention of war. And, so Vayigash means to pray. Rabbi Eliezer Pashatla Rabbi Eliezer this is, this is less common than you might think. We have different opinions in Midrash. We have this says, okay, they're all correct. Avraham means Avraham went on all three fronts. Since we find three different psukim, three different opinions of Amorayim, but all the psukim exist, where Vayigash could be to war, Vayigash could be for Piyus, Vayigash could be for Tefila. But as it says, Avraham Avinu went on all three on all three fronts. That's why it says Vayigashim. Uh, I just want to make a comment as to like why why this medrash exists. This, this after all, this is a medrash of pshat, an attempt to give pshat to a particular word. Um, what does it mean Vayigash? What does it mean to approach? The common denominator denominator to all three interpretations to war to appeasement, to prayer, is that Vayigash, after all, literally means he uh, came close. He reduced the distance between them. But what Chazal understood is that Vayigash doesn't simply mean reduce the distance. If I have to go get a book from the bookcase, I'm sitting now in a room in the library, if I have to get up to get a book from the bookcase, the only gash el ha'aron, has a personal element. It means to come close, meaning bring yourself close or bring myself close, close to you. For instance, in last week's Pashat HaShavuah, by the way, also there, there's a Jewish about whether it's the Milchama or the Pius. But the pshat is, what was you do, trying to do? They, they, they'd been speaking to Yosef beforehand. They were in Yosef's presence and they were speaking. But now he was saying, he wanted to speak in Yosef's ear. What does that mean? He was trying to get Yosef to have a personal connection to him, to listen to him in a different way. It wasn't a speech made by a supplicant before the king. But it was two human beings speaking to each other. Now, this 
personal element that before I speak to you, before I do something with you, I place our relationship on a personal basis. It's really neutral in terms of what will be done. I will contend, I will wrestle with you on a personal on a personal way. It could be Lipilas, I will try to get you to feel the personal connection between us so that you will do something which otherwise you wouldn't have done. And it could be the tefillah because also in tefillah you have, not always, but you can achieve this personal level. And what, what Eliyahu was doing in that pasuk that says, Vayigash Vayomar, he wasn't just praying to God. It says explicitly at the end of the pasuk that through your actions the people will realize that I am your servant. Eliyahu was really asking that God do it because of the personal relationship, and not merely, both things there. And that I am your servant, and I did it because you told me to. So he's trying to get God into a personal thing. This is very much, if you look in that parsha by Eliyahu, which is Melachim Aleph, Pedrik Yudchet, you see that beforehand, Eliyahu speaks to the Jews, and he says, He says, come close to me. And before that it says Vayigash Elehem, he he approached them, but they didn't listen to him. And now it says Kshu Vayigash, and they came close. Eliyahu was all the time trying to establish a personal relationship between him. That's what Vayigash means. And so the Midrash points out that personality, having a personal relationship, isn't always sweet. There's such a thing as personal contention. To go back to the Pesukim, the Pesuk by Yoav, why was that war done? Vayigash Yoav, Lemilchama. Remember the context of the war. The people of Bnei Amon, or specifically the king of Bnei Amon, the son of the departed king had personally insulted David HaMelech by shaving off half the beards of his emissaries. It was a very personal war. There was no national... Uh, let's say they weren't fighting over land. It was personal. And therefore, Vayigash Yoav Lemilchama. The war was personal. Similarly, Vayigshu B'nei Yudah Yoshua, as I pointed out, how did... Kalei begin his speech to Yeshua. He says, remember how the two of us 45 years ago God spoke about me, about us, and we were the two people together? He's, he's not making a political request. Wouldn't it be right, wouldn't it be appropriate if you, the king of the Jews, Yeshua, would give me, Kalev, a nachala, an estate in Hebron? I don't know if it's justified on the basis of any, of any sort of normal justice. But he begins by saying, Remember how we fought together, stood together, alone, in the presence of God, and the presence of Israel? That's Vayigash. He's, he's tweaking. He's, he's pulling on the personal heartstrings of the man in front of him. And the tefillah as well, as he pointed out to the Yah, was making a personal appeal, a personal appeal to God. So, uh, this is an introduction for today's uh, topic. The Pasuk emphasizes the point is that he could always simply say Vayomer Avraham. doesn't need to say Vayigash Avraham Vayomer. Many times in the Torah it says that Avraham speaks to God or God speaks to Avraham Avinu. As Vayomer Avraham. Maza Vayigash. Avraham has uprooted himself from his usual distant, relatively distant, relationship with God. And now he's whispering in God's ear or holding God by the hand and contending with him, wrestling with him point is, he's made it, the appeal, the argument is on a personal basis. It's bekiruv, it's 
very close with God. And not from a formal, distance here means formality, closeness means personal. The fact that the Amorayim disagree as to whether or not he's going to attack God or to um, appease God or to pray in a personal manner to God is, I think, less important than what the Pasuk is saying explicitly. As Belazah says, all three, no problem. The point is that Abba Mavino here, and this is the first time this takes place in the Torah, is saying that I am I and God is God. So God just pointed out that Abba Mavino is the one and only. Abba Mavino is a special relationship. He's, on, he's, he's, he's the, the partner of God in running the world. And Abba Mavino says, if that's true, that I'm going to speak in that manner as well. Okay, what does he actually do? So here there are a lot of opinions in Midrash. I want to read them and we'll comment on some of them. Abraham Avinu turns to God and says, Chalila, lach, af tispeh, tzadik im rasha, chalila lach. Will you kill, will you destroy the tzadik with the rasha? Chalila lach. What does chalila lach mean? Among of Yudan, we're now in Medrash Tet, Parsha Mem Tet, Medrash Tet. Among of Yudan, Chalila Hulach, Barya Hulach. What does it mean, Chalila? We say in English, God forbid, God forbend. Chalila, Barya Hulach. Barya is an Aramaic word meaning outside, Chutz, Chutz Hulacha. Chalila, Zachol, God is Kodesh. You and you're doing now is chol, meaning you're you are desecrating yourself, or in the lashon of the midrash, bar yahulacha. What you are about to do is foreign, bar chutz is foreign to you. Avraham is saying to God that he is acting in a manner that's inappropriate for God. Not to do mishpat is the antithesis of being godly. So Avraham Avinu is coming, and I understand why this could be called contention, it could be called milchama. Avraham Avinu is saying to God, he's bringing against God the force of God. He's saying, God disagrees with you. The nature of God is a contradiction to what you are doing. He's utilizing the ultimate weapon against God. He's not praying, he's not appealing, not in this interpretation. Khalilullah is saying, God forbid that God should do such a thing. Amar Rabbi Acha, second opinion, Chalila Chalila, Pasuk says it twice, Chalila Lach, Chalila Lach, Shtei Pamim, twice, Chilul Shem Shamayim Yesh Padabah, I think it's the same thing, saying this is desecration of the name of heaven. It's a Chil Hashem, he says to God. Chilul meaning a desecration, a, a undermining, a, a destruction of the very nature of something. I'm going to skip the next one. Amar Rabbi Levi, Shnei b'nei Adam amru davar Two people said the same thing to God. Avraham v'iyov. Avraham chalil alach me'asot k'davar hazeh. And Iyov, pasuk in Iyov Tet, also said to God that he's wrong. He said to God, Achati al-kein amarti tam v'rasha hu mechale. He also said to God that you are not distinguished between the innocent and the guilty. Tam verasha hu mechale. I say to God, 
that it's all one to him, the innocent and the evil he destroys. So they both accuse God of being indiscriminate. Avraham was rewarded. You ask, how do we know Avraham was rewarded? Well, the Midrash assumes that in any event he wasn't punished. And Eov was punished. What's the difference? Avraham Amar Bishula, Eov Amar Paga. Avraham said it in, translating the words literally, in ripeness. Eov said it in unripe. Paga, an unripe fruit. Why? Achati It doesn't really explain it here. It just says, pay attention to the words. In other words, I think in, the, in context of the Midrash, which is really extraordinary, it's saying the reason why Abraham Abinu was right and, and, and Eo was wrong was because Abraham Abinu was more, in fact, more controversial, more combative. He said to God, it's wrong what you're doing. And Eov said, it's a fact, that this is what you do. He might have been upset about it, but he specifically didn't say to God it was wrong. He said, Achati! He said, to you it's all the same. And you don't care the difference between Rishayim and Sadiqim. Obviously, he thinks that's a bad thing, but, but he's willing to accept it, that, that God wants to do it, and then, then it's okay. And Abraham says, no! You can't do it, because it's Chalila Hulach, Baal Yehulach, in other words, Avraham Avinu refuses to accept that God could do something which is unjust. And thereby, he in fact is respecting God more than Eov, who says, listen, if that's what you do, I, I disagree, but, okay, so I've just discovered something about you, I've discovered that you're unjust. I can live with that, if that's what you want to be. You're the king, you can do anything you want, you can be unjust. In short, in other words, it is inconceivable that God would be unjust and the admission or the, the, um, the willingness of Eov to entertain the notion that God is in fact unjust and there is no distinction in God's eyes between the innocent and the Rasha is a sin. Whereas Avraham Avinu's unwillingness, his refusal to accept including saying it to God in his face, saying to God directly, I refuse to accept that you could possibly be this way. It's not you. It's not you. It's foreign activity. It's a foreign action. It's not your personality. That, in fact, is the mitzvah. That's what he... he so the Midrash says, um, one further opinion quoted in this Midrash as to the nature of Avinu's argument. Skipping a little bit. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, Amar Avraham, Tzaref Maasai, Vialu Leminyan Chamishim. Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon, Lo Atu Tzadikol Shalolam, Tzaref Atzmachai Mahem, Vialu Leminyan Chamishim. As we know from the Pasha, that there's this argument about the numbers. Okay, so if there are 50 Tzadikim, God says He won't do it. But there aren't 50 tzaddikim. So the Midrash engages in uh, what we call creative mathematics, creative accounting, for those of you who are accountants. Creative accounting, how to reach 50. 
Two different opinions. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and Rabbi Yudu bar Simon. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, Rabbi Yudu says, I'll be the 50th. Rabbi Yudu ben Simon says to God, Abraham says to God, you be the 50th. What does this have to do with the Pasuk? I'm just a separate question. Where, where do they find this in the Pasuk? So the Mephashim tried to find some sort of a, a way of dashing this. That he says, He says about himself, I'm nothing. Maybe they're missing 50. Even though, even though I'm nothing, make me the 50th. Something along those lines. But I'm more interested in the, in the point itself. Both these opinions say that you can somehow compensate for the lack of tzitkut in stone by bringing in foreign reinforcements, either Abraham being himself or God himself. Now, what's the basis for this? Well, the first one is very commendable to Abraham Avinu. I think the basis of Abraham is saying, look, I'm a resident of stone. Now, he's not a resident of stone. The answer is he's willing to be a resident of stone. Abraham Avinu is really saying, I think because of the fact that after all, as we pointed out last week, Eretz belongs to him. So stone is... is is one of the cities of his his inheritance. And therefore, Abraham Avinu basically volunteers. It's enough that there should be residents who are tzaddikim. Okay. I'm going to be a resident of stone. It's a kind of self-sacrifice. But he's saying, in order to save the stoneim, I'm willing to become a card-carrying, tax-paying, official, legal resident of stone. And therefore, you have to take me into account. Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Duber Simon, has a much more radical notion. He's saying, count yourself. Why should God count himself? The answer is, I think, that he's saying the same idea. Count yourself as an inhabitant of stone. Why is God an inhabitant of stone? Because God is an inhabitant of every place. The whole point of punishing stone or not punishing stone is because God wishes that his presence should be present in the world. As we pointed out many, many weeks ago, that was Abraham Avinu's life. Abraham Avinu brought God back into the world. Ein Mishpat. He was the Ayin Shevit Mishpat La'olam. Mishpat is God's presence. But if God is present in the world, then he has to count himself also there. Once the, once the principle is accepted, that the tzaddikim can save the v'shayim, which is the principle that's being discussed in this parasha, that you look at the total population, not the individual justice, once you accept that, then the total population either in, doesn't include God or doesn't include God. If it doesn't include God, then God shouldn't care what's going on. And if it does include God because He's here and He wants the world to be His, His habitat, He wants the world to be His throne, He wants the world to reflect His glory, then He should count Himself as being one of the inhabitants and the yashlim, the minyan, Amar Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon, the same, uh, the same Amora, but I think it's a different opinion. Kach Amar Le Abraham. He says, No, no, no. You've got it all wrong. This is what Abraham said to God. Melech Basar Vadam Tolin Lo An Kiliton Midukus Lafarchus Merfarchus Laastaritus. He said, A king who is doing some sort of justice. So, there are ways to block him. There are ways to appeal. The word ankeliton is not clear. Yeah, there are different uh, explanations, but it means um, there's, a, there's like an appeal process. What is it? 
Vidukas lafaka. You go from the duke to the to the earl, from the earl to the. In other words, in a feudal system, Chazal didn't live in a feudal system, but apparently also you have this division of division of power. And so, a single individual cannot really make a momentous decision of life and death without there being some means of balance. And you, God, because there is nobody who is your counterbalance, so therefore you can do anything you want, you don't have to do justice. In other words, it's, it's, a main, it's the point we made before. What is Avamino saying to God? He's saying, power is not the point. You have unlimited power, but you don't have unlimited permission. In other words, he's really saying to God, you are bound, you are limited by what? Mishpat. Lo ta'asem mishpat. Justice doesn't bind you, doesn't limit you as much as it limits people. Now it's true, by people, the principle of justice limits them, but it also limits them by, by sending other people to block them. If something is unjust, if the king has done an unjust action, so the other kings or the council or the dukes or the... Somebody can... can, can stand up and has the power to checks and balances. Now God doesn't have anybody who has that power, but Abraham says to him, that means you can do anything you want. What really checks is not the power, but the justice. To understand this theologically, we should connect it to the statement we read a few minutes ago. God, after all, is not bounded by anything outside himself. Famous Platonic question. Is God limited by the good? Or is the good merely with anything that God decides? And the answer of Chazal is that God is limited by the good, but the good is God. Hashofet kol ha'aretz lo ya'asem mishpat. You're bounded by mishpat because you are the shofet. You're bounded by justice because you are a justice. You are justice with a capital J. So God is bound by His own Nature and to be unjust is to be foreign to his own nature. To be bound by your own nature is not a limitation in the theological, in the theological sense. But to go back to the point itself, you because there's nobody who can hang the limits opposite you. Same Amor, he just says it in another way. But in a different occasion, he said the same idea in a different language. Right? He gives a Roman example. When you decided to uh, judge your world, in other words, when you decided to put justice into the world, it's an interesting outlook on history. God raised the Roman Empire to bring order and justice into the world. We all know what Chazal thought of the Roman Empire. Malchut HaRish'ah. But nonetheless, they probably recognized that at least now there's a system of law. Whereas before there was a system of anarchy. So they view Romus and Romulus, the two legendary founders of Rome. Romulus and, Rom- and Romulus. The two brothers who founded Rome. And, and, and Chazal are accepting the legend here. That they were sent to the world to bring justice into the world, to make a system of justice. But you did it, you gave two. The legend of Rome says that it was founded by two brothers. This is the ultimate division of powers theory. When God decided to make a system of justice in the world through human beings, and therefore created the Roman Empire, 
it was created on the basis of two, that there should be checks and balances. Presumably by the time Chazal wrote this, the checks and balances had eroded. And the Roman Emperor was supreme. And nobody, there was no Senate anymore, no serious Senate. So there's, without actually mentioning it, not Chazal that interested in having this book censored. But I assume there is a certain amount of criticism being made. But the original theory of Rome, the Roman Senate, nobody was the Emperor, nobody was the Caesar. But there was a checks and balances called Romus and Romilus here. But God is the only one. God is not two. Dualism is a human thing. But theology is monism. There's only one God. So you, no one can check you. The same idea. You after all have to do, have to do mishpat. And that's the end of what uh, we're going to do this week. The Medrash actually continues with the Medrash that was quoted way back in the beginning of Lechacha. We quoted several weeks ago the particular arguments he gives them about whether or not he's fudging his oath not to bring a mabul. I won't repeat them. And the argument that it has to be rachamim because din never works. Pure justice cannot run the world. We discussed that several weeks ago and it's repeated here. But we've completed the, the newer ideas and what sort of more or less binds all these ideas together is that Abba Avinu is coming to God with the argument that he has to, God has to act in a certain way as Abba Avinu understands it. He's in fact putting himself in God's way in the name of, whose name? Not in his own name. He's not the Akriton. He's not the Remus to God's Romulus. He's standing in God's way in God's name. The ultimate contention with God by placing God's true nature, true dedication to justice as a blockage, as an obstacle in what appears to to be God's actions which are unjust. And that's all for today. We'll be back next week with another episode in Medrashe Avraham Avinu. And before I sign off, I wish to remind you once again of our phone number for this week. Came to T Drive Week. Please send in your donations. And the uh, U.S. office can be reached at two one two seven three two four eight seven four. Call to till next week.